This is Steve Clark, President and CEO of the Massachusetts Restaurant Association. I'm here with VP of Operations, Kerry Miller, and you're listening to the MRA Podcast, Together We Win, where we give you bites of information in podcast form. And we're back with the next episode of Together We Win, the MRA Podcast. Kerry, we spend so much time talking about restaurant artistry, and it's always from the culinary standpoint. Uh, you know, some of the best artists we have, some of the most creative people are chefs and how they develop a menu, how they go about doing that. Steve, when, you, when, you, when you're talking to somebody about a restaurant and their experience, right, they'll talk about the food. But more often than not, they're talking about the environment. They're talking about what the place looked like, how cool it was, something that they've never ever seen before. We're, we're blessed today with two people that kind of make that thing happen in restaurant. Absolutely. One of the things that we stress at the MRA is we're always talking about uh, you know, we talk to the government officials a lot and, and restaurants spend so much time designing their restaurant and then a government official wants you to put like a government sticker on it that says, here's my <laughs> liquor license or here's my numbers, or, here's my occupancy. Uh, and they don't, they, they kind of miss the artistry uh, that goes into the design. Not only the layout of the restaurant, how the food flows from the kitchen to the table, but also this is what it looks like. This is what I drive by. This is my curb appeal of my restaurant and so much goes into that. Uh, so we are here today with two people that actually tell that story and help define the restaurant industry. Uh, we have, uh, and I don't know if I should give the nickname first or, the, or, your, or your main name, but we have Erica Hagler, known as the Blind Fox. She's an artist and a muralist, uh, originally from San Diego and in Boston. And also we have Brian Samuels, who's a uh, food and beverage photographer. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for, for having us. us. You know what? So the cool backstory to all of this is, and, and you hear this throughout our industry all the time. There's food-related stuff behind the the art, right? I mean, I know that like both of you guys have had food experience as a, in a kind of, you know, you found that that side business, that silo, the swim lane that kept you in the food business, but let you, allowed you to do what you actually your passions are. I know that you were in the restaurant and in bar bar business for a while in, in New York City, right? Managing nightclubs in New York City, uh, probably one of the hardest jobs I've ever had. It's, you know, it strains the soul. You're out late nights. You don't see sunlight. Lots of people, different personalities. It's a lot. Lots of respect for people in the restaurant industry. <laughs> so how did you become a muralist? How, how, how did that, how does that, did you wake up one day and say, I want to design murals or and did it build? No, you know, I've been drawing since I was a kid. I have ADHD, so you really couldn't keep me still as a kid, constantly moving. But you put a crayon in my hand. It was something that actually kept me spill, still for a long period of time. Um, I kind of got away from that throughout high school because I had a teacher that took the fun out of it. Um, part of the rules when I was in the class was I had to apply to all of the contests that came through the school for the city. The problem was it was my senior year and I kept winning. So now I was no longer having fun. I wasn't getting paid and I was doing all this work for free. So it really just took all the fun out of art for me. And instead of going into college and becoming an artist, I went into the restaurant industry, which I really enjoyed. You know, you're meeting new people. It's lots of speed. And at that age, you know, it's, it's fun. And that's what you're looking for. Um, when I got to Boston and I started getting older, because there's only so long that you can really have that kind of energy for it, um, I decided that it really wasn't conducive to the lifestyle I wanted and um, I went back to my art roots and I started drawing and George Foreman III, he opened up a gym in South Boston and he was one of the first people that actually brought me in to do some art for him. And from there, it's been word of mouth and networking and social media plays a huge part of, you know, getting your, the word out. You know, Instagram is, you know, vital to art, I'd say. Brian, similar question, but um, on a different spin. So 
we have a benefit in the restaurant industry of anytime we get served food or a cocktail comes out, we pull out our phone and we take a picture of it. As a professional, as someone who does this for a living, <laughs> what do you think about the amateur photographer as they're trying to tell the story in the restaurant? And are you saying, oh, you, you, the lighting's off on this. You should have done that. There's so many things you left on the cutting room floor. Uh, so I always see it as, I think it's beautiful that people want to take pictures of food because it means that they're connecting to the experience. And I understand that completely as a professional food photographer, that the first thing that people experience even before they go out to eat, is visual. They're going to the website, they're going on Instagram, they're seeing the dishes at, or the interiors, the murals, you know, the decor of the restaurant before they're even there. And so I think it really speaks to you know, the, the experience that diners have that when they go in, that they want to take pictures of the food and not only the food, but they want to get pictures of the, the decor as well. So what does a business networking connect in? Because there's restaurateurs out there that just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, it's, and, then, and I'm not critiquing them on their culinary or their business sense and stuff like that. But there are restaurateurs out there that really, really understand how to do it well and make a restaurant really look cool and stuff like that. Is it the, the architect that makes it? Is it, the, is it the restaurateur? Is it the architect? Is it the, is it the you know, people that are building the restaurant? It, it's a collaboration. I think that's the beautiful thing is that more and more, I think the business owners, um, whether it's a restaurant or a bar, when it's being developed, they're thinking about all these components and they're looking at the end results and what that experience is going to be for the diners. Um, and a, very much now it's, it's, it's visual. I think the hesitation with these restaurateurs um, when it comes to bringing art in, in particular is that they don't see the immediate return that they think that they will have. They don't really see the full picture. And sure. they do get the return over time. Um, I mean, I've told my my clients, you know, this mural that people see on social media when they're scrolling through that make them come in and spend, you know, $300 on a dinner for four people, that is going to add up very, very quickly. And this mural is going to pay itself off. And this mural is going to last probably the life of the restaurant if it's indoors, outdoors, and, you know, in New England, mm-hmm. you, you can't guarantee paint outdoors for very long. But same thing with you, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think now with... Um, Instagram, social media, everyone needs visuals. I think we were talking about this a little bit before, but uh, video is becoming a big part of the way uh, businesses are marketing themselves. Um, And some are, you know, working with still photography and video or GIFs, you know, some sort of um, other visual medium to represent their businesses. It took years for me to really do what I'm doing on this scale because at the start of it, when I started in 2010 or 2011, businesses didn't really see the value in bringing in a photographer. The websites were different. Instagram really wasn't a thing then. Now that they see the value in it, they're more eager to to bring in creatives. And bringing in a photographer is like picking a tattoo artist. Like you get what you pay for. The photography, there's no offense to the people, the amateur photographers, like you're doing great. But the difference in quality from a professional p- photographer and like the glisten that they get off the food and the way that it just makes your mouth water when you look at this photography, it's it's totally different. It's an art form in itself. Well, thank you. I mean, the same goes for your work too. I mean, I, I see that um, I understand food. I know how food works, how a diner, I love dining out. So I see the, the story one could tell through the photography um, and maybe that's not something that other 
I mean, we're saying amateur photographers would understand on that level. Um, so that's that's my goal um, when I'm creating pictures. I just want to back up because that's a bumper sticker campaign for you right there. Picking a photographer is like picking a tattoo artist because <laughs> we've always seen, we've all seen really bad tattoos. Yeah. Right? And yep. we've already seen bad, bad photography yeah. too. So that's We awesome. have a great visual in front of us. I don't want to uh, step away from uh, the food and beverage that we have in front of us. We are a restaurant uh, show. So uh, I know you both brought uh, a couple things today. I'm going to spend a couple seconds talking about what we're going to have and we'll continue yeah. to chat of, of what we have in front of us. What are, what are we gnawing on? All right. So gnawing. Gnawing on. <laughs> We're not gnawing on anything. I uh, I got some takeout from Marielle, and we have pork, pork empanadas and sticky ribs. Looks awesome. We love Koji oh. Restaurant Group. Oh, we're, being, we're being good here and putting our napkins. Yes. <laughs> Only the finest of manners on the exactly. podcast. They look great. And Marielle, that interior is beautiful. Oh, thank and you. I beautifully designed going. restaurant. And Yvonne's is gorgeous. All those restaurants are stunning. They do a good job. They really see the value and the art. And you can tell as they are some of the top restaurants in the city. Um, people just constantly going there when they have friends from out of town. They say, oh, you have to see this restaurant. You have to come in. And there's so many selfies that are being taken in these restaurants that, you know, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. I always find it fascinating, um, the dichotomy in how we tell the story on menus is that you know, a lot of chains use pictures to tell the story of their menu, but then you get to fine dining and it's the words. And I almost wonder if there's a missed opportunity there where more people could tell the story of their menu using pictures because how many times are you in a restaurant and something will walk by and you'll say, ooh, that looks good, I want that. Sure. Whereas you might not be able to see that in the words that are displayed on the menu. And so it's, it's always a fine line that, that comes up with it's- using photography to sell the they the still imagery. have it in Asian restaurants. That's yeah, how I sure. pick my sushi rolls. <laughs> I've, I've done shoots like that mostly for uh, sushi restaurants where they mm-hmm. want their whole menu to be every menu item is photographed and it's on black and it's just, it's striking. I mean, mm-hmm. it is striking. And yeah, you could just point to that and say that's that looks great. Um, I think Instagram sort of acts as a visual menu at this point mm-hmm. where people are like, oh, they're bookmarking dishes that they saw on someone's website or on uh, someone's Instagram account and they can show them to the, <laughs> the server and be like, what was this? You know, I want that. Yeah, the, the restaurant manager side of me says picture menus aren't really conducive for cost side of running a restaurant because they really go through the ringer of these restaurant menus. They have to be cleaned all the time. They get crumbled up. They get spilled on. They get lost. Um, so having these big, huge menus does get really pricey. So I see a lot of menus, especially because they change the menu so often, um, seasonally, typically. So they like to reprint and reprint and reprint. So it's good for restaurants that keep the same menu, typically, sushi so restaurant. You, got, you were hitting on something earlier about quantifying, you know, the, the, the expense, right? <clears throat> anytime you do something, anytime you build a beautiful restaurant or something like that, there's a, there's a P&L and a budget, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're going through the line item. And I think about I think about any time I've gone someplace and it's been a special occurrence for me. I talk about the food, but I also talk about the visual aspects of it. You know, where if you're in Italy, you think about the Amalfi Coast, and you talk about the Amalfi Coast, you think about all the things that you see there. I think the way great way to quantify how this works is through those Instagram accounts that there's taking a picture of your artwork and saying this place is incredible, the food's awesome, but take a look what this wall looks like at, the, at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have. Um quite a few people that have followed my journey from the very beginning. So now these people tend to make trips, especially to these venues, specifically to see the art, take pictures with it. I get them 
photos all the time from them. And it's one of my favorite parts because as an artist, all I want to do is share my art. So when I get to see people enjoying the art, it's just like, it fills my soul in a different way. So I really enjoy that. I want to pick up on that in one sec. Brian, what, uh, you brought a cocktail today. What are we, uh, we uh, sipping on today? Yeah, from the Lexington. Um, it is a gin. It's called the, the Rookie Sleuth. It's a gin, St. Germain, dry vermouth, and uh, Aperol. It's, uh, it's delicious. Really good. Very nice pairing. Yeah, it's beautiful, too. So um, a restaurant with a, with a mural that's mm -hmm. in there. A lot of times the owner will, you know, if they're, when they're in the restaurant, they'll talk about it with passion, you know, and then they'll tell the backstory of why it's there and why they chose and how they chose you, et cetera. But the owner can't always be there to tell that story. How can the story of that mural get told? Is it, is it linking back to social media? Is it, is there a QR code that you can bake into it where someone can learn more? But how does, how do you tell the story of the mural when there's not somebody there to tell it? Well, usually when I'm designing these murals, this, the murals are designed around the story of the restaurant. So these restaurant tours are already telling me their story. It's just portraying what their story already is. So usually they'll have something within their menu or their staff knows what's going on. They'll post it on social media through videos or photographs. Um, and that is how the story is told. I actually just did an interview for a brewery that I did and they told the whole story and from beginning to end of how we came to this mural. Um, it's just another additive. So when the clients or, I mean, the guests are in the restaurant, they say, oh, what about this mural? Tell me a little something. And it gives the, you know, the staff something to talk about, the bartenders something to, you know, shoot the shit about. <laughs> so I, that's, to me, that's what distinguishes what you do with marketing, right? So how much interpret, so, so, so if you have a restaurant tour that says, this is the story of our restaurant, how much leeway do they give you to interpret what you're going to build and put on the wall for them? Uh, that depends on the restaurant tour. I highly suggest that if you are hiring someone for their expertise, you let them do what they are hired to do. Once someone starts dipping in too much, it really just puts the artist yeah. in a box and it doesn't allow them to be creative at all. The best murals that have, I have done were from the people that said, just do what you want. The Koji Group is one of those clients that says, here's my empty space. What do you want to put on the walls? And I'll walk through and I'll say, here's this, here's this. And I'll give them probably a booklet of all these ideas I have. And they'll pick and choose which ones they like. And then we'll kind of narrow it down from there. Pick color schemes and hit the ball running or hit the ground running. <laughs> I've seen, I've, uh, I saw in an interview with you mentioned that Boston doesn't have as much street art as other cities. Um, you know, is Boston just behind the times? Are we parochial? Are we just slow? What's the... What's the obstacle? Boston loves their brick. Mm -hmm. They love that brick. Um, so people get very attached to the brick, even though there were, you know, murals and advertisements that were on this brick that have already faded. They are hesitant to repaint on the brick because they love the historical aspect. But there are so many new buildings that can be painted on. But here's the thing. The new buildings are all made of glass. So you go to Seaport, I can't paint on a bunch of glass. So where are we putting these murals? We, there's very select few walls that are done, and the people that own these buildings tend to be old-school Boston people, and they are not open to the idea. But if you go to Salem, they really open their eyes to doing all the murals in the city, True. and it has now become a huge destination for walking the murals and going to lunch. It's added to the businesses, and, you know, it brings life to a neighborhood just bringing in an outdoor mural. I just spent some time in Europe. I was in Portugal and there were a ton of murals in Lisbon and it was just so striking to just walk around and it's basically just public art. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an art gallery and it's uh, I think something that we could definitely do better in 
in Boston. Give us some more personality maybe and allow artists to showcase their work too. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing too to be said about having public murals is it limits the graffiti. Um, there is some honor amongst thieves, if you will. The graffiti artists are still artists and they respect the art that's on murals. So they, they tend to stray away from painting over them. I'm impressed with the graffiti artists. Some of the places that they can get graffiti, I don't even know how they got there. Hanging upside down. Hanging upside down on a yep. on a bridge that crosses a six-lane highway. I mean, it's that's impressive. Yeah, that's a whole thing. <laughs> that's a whole different genre of art where it's actually competitive amongst graffiti artists to see how intense you can get with so getting like, a, your name up there. I know you do West Coast, East Coast, and I'm not sure if you do, but uh, is it more lenient in like the Los Angeles areas for, for doing outside art? So Los Angeles has lots of outside art, but they also have a lot of old school graffiti artists. And there's almost like an art battle that's going on on the West Coast where the old school graffiti artists don't like the muralists coming in because they don't understand the neighborhood. So now they are tagging over the outside art because, you know, it's not them that's doing it. So it's like an underground kind of war that's going on. Hopefully between... it doesn't rise to the level of Biggie and Tupac. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I thought Kerry was going when he talked about East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, so it, it's something that probably needs to be worked out. They need a liaison between like the street artist and the corporate business world to kind of find a happy median where there's some sort of level of boundaries and respect to let the art thrive out there. It's a great conversation to be having, right? I mean, if you're the local artist, if he's saying what's cool and what's not cool and for the person that actually does it for a living. To, yep. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. have it here. We have lots of different uh, organizations that talk between street artists and organizations and businesses that connect the two. Brian, you've probably taken thousands, if not millions of photos, right? <laughs> Lots uh, of hard drives. I yeah. have many, many hard drives of images. And yes, I, I, favorite, I stopped counting a long time what's ago. What's your favorite photo that you've ever oh. taken? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I have dishes that I really like photographing. I mean, I think oysters never get old. It's such a simple thing, but it's such a beautiful, elegant mm -hmm. thing. And it's textural. It's... Um, Everyone treats oysters a little differently. And every menu in Boston has oysters at this point. Um, but I feel like it never gets dull. There's always a, another way of capturing it that I, I just enjoy. Um, so that's a really tough question uh, when you've taken so many we pictures. We haven't even got to the spray again. And you're uh, liking it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, real hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite. I, I go through phases where I'll, I'll sort of, I also... Luckily, I'm, I'm busy, and so sometimes it's hard for me to think about the quality of work that I've produced. And so it's nice to go back occasionally and review the work I did throughout the year. And, um, and then I'm always just sort of transported back to those places. So Isn't that what's I nice think, about Instagram? Oh, you can just scroll back and see what, what you've done. <laughs> absolutely. And it, you know, it's... Um, it gives me inspiration. Like I, I, I'm reminded of why I love doing it almost every day because I go through Instagram and I look at my previous work. Um, but it, it's, uh, I think you can lose track of, you know, what you're creating sometimes when you're, when you are busy and I'm grateful for that, but I like to reflect on you get it. lost in it. Yeah. You're talking about that. You were at a, a shoot today before yeah. you came in. Talk about the first time you go into a restaurant, the interaction with the chef and with the owner. Are you, yeah. I, do you say, cook everything you have and what do you want to showcase? <laughs> Let's highlight some different cocktails. Are you saying, no, I know you need to do this. How does that interaction go with the restaurant? It, owner? it depends on the menu. If it's a limited menu, um, I will tell them, you know, let's try and do as much as we can because I think it's important to showcase a variety of dishes. 
And really, that's my my goal. I want I want diners to be educated through the photos. So hopefully, they have pictures of you know some meat dishes that they do, as well as vegetarian and seafood and even salads. You know, people sort of forget to photograph the salads, but there are people that that's what they want to eat, and um, and you don't want to neglect anyone and sort of make it. I think my goal is also to make all the restaurants I photograph as approachable, as accessible as possible. And that can be challenging for businesses, you know, when there are certain caliber and white linen, it can be intimidating for diners. But once hopefully they see the pictures of the food, they'll be drawn into it. Um, but I do work with restaurants, uh, with, with the chefs directly, and I'll sort of sit with them a little bit, go through the menu, see what they're thinking of including. And then sometimes I'll give them a little guidance and what we might be able to add. And I'll ask about the colors of a dish, the textures in a dish, how it's plated. Um, so that way we're getting some variety in the images. Um, I mean, my goal is to make sure that uh, every picture looks a little different. You know, I know I've seen some, some photographers, it just, you know, plate on a single surface and that's how they capture the food. My goal is to have everything feel a little different, but utilizing the space to, um, to give it a little bit more texture or personality. So there's a saying out there that the plumbers have the worst plumbing in their, in their houses. So <laughs> if, you went, if we went to your houses, what's hanging on the walls at your houses? Great question. Uh, well, I collect art, so, and, but I have a lot of windows, so my walls are limited. But I can't stand keeping my own art on my walls. I, I kind of feel like it's keeping photographs of yourself on the wall a little bit. Interesting. And, <laughs> and also, I pick it apart. So if I sit there staring, I go, oh, I could have done this different. I could have done that different. So. so what kind of art? Are you contemporary? Are you more traditional? I consider myself more street pop art is probably how I would categorize it. I, that's probably the best way. Yeah. I do a little bit of everything. I can paint anything. So when it comes to my clients, um, when they come to me and they say, I want a little bit of this or a little bit of that, I can mold myself into what the restaurant really needs. It, nothing is cookie cutter. My style does not necessarily fit for every restaurant in the city. So if you look through my Instagram, you're going to see tons of work that you think would be from multiple different people, but it's actually me just trying to fit what the restaurant needs. My my house, similarly, I can't stand putting my own work up. It also <laughs> seems so strange to put up a picture from a restaurant, uh, their food on my wall. It's like, well, what's that connection really? Um, that was the best meal I've ever had. I know. I mean, and there have been many. I mean, remember the day. I, how do I choose one? Um, my mother is a watercolorist, so I have some of her work up. Um, and I, I have put a few photos up, but nothing of food. It's all from travels and just memories from, you know, those great trips I've taken. Um, but I have a lot of blank wall space. Um, <laughs> struggle. I'll trade you. It's a kid. It's a <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Look at this collaboration. This is where together we Love win. It. That's yeah. the name of the podcast. So how did you come up with the name Blind Fox? Oh, it's named after my dog who's an asshole. Okay. Um, so when he was a puppy, I would throw the ball to him and he would just sit there and stare straight at me. I'm like, oh my God, can he not see anything? Can he not see the ball? Turns out he's just really disobedient. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got it. I named it after his disobedient attitude. <laughs> Such a cool story. I like that. He's a Shiba Inu, just so you know. I don't know yeah. if you know what they look like, the Dogecoin, the little oh, foxes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to ask me how my how I got my name? How did you get your name? <laughs> You'll have to ask my parents. Well, well, Brian, when a man loves a woman, eventually, you know, <laughs> yeah. a kid comes out. <laughs> 
we, you know. we've reached that stage. Yeah, you know what, the podcast. Um, one of the initiatives you talk about is the uh, Love Local initiative um, with uh, the surfboards outside of um, very cool uh, in Boston by, uh, over by Fenway um, at Timeout Market. What 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 inspires that? Why is that important? Why is that something to to cover? I do lots of charity around Boston. Um, I was brought up to do tons of charity from my parents. We did not grow up super well off. So giving back is something that is ingrained in me because I got a lot of help when we were growing up as a family. Um, so I do lots of charity with cancer charities. So Haymakers for Hope, Tommy's Place. Um, I do an event every single winter for Christmas where we do an adopt-a-family event through the South Boston Community Center. Uh, my home is filled with hundreds of toys from people that are just so generous. It's unbelievable. These kids are getting bikes and PlayStations and guitars. I'm just like, oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, and so um, these families come in and they grab their presents and they have like a great Christmas and they get gift cards for um, food. And it's, it's just, it brings me back to a place when I was a kid and I was so thankful to the church to give me little, um, there were raffle tickets I could take to the Goodwill and I could go shopping and get clothes. And to me, that was huge. I was very excited for these Goodwill clothes. So, you know, any way I can give back and pay it forward. So I encourage other people to do right, it too. Right. Brian, what else do you enjoy taking photos of? Oh, food is my main one. Even at home, I still love taking pictures of food, even though I do it for work. Do you um, go and get the professional <laughs> camera and actually uh, set up no, the whole process? I, or iPhone, just go and always yeah. with the iPhone. Um, I like landscapes. Um, I love traveling. I love capturing landscapes. It's a, it's a, a challenge for me. I, it's not something I'm necessarily comfortable with. Um, so when I get the opportunity to, you know, test my skills and, and um, challenge myself as an artist, I really enjoy that. Uh, so I'd say just going out and um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was in Portugal and I was just in Ireland and it was great to capture those landscapes. They were stunning. So. I just got back from Ireland. Oh, so beautiful. You had to have made it to Scotland yeah. though. I need to go. I've been I to Scotland. To go. I'm in Ireland. Scot yeah. I Earmuffs to anyone on that's listening. I like Scotland better. <laughs> well, listen, I think the feedback that everybody gets is good. They get to Scotland and they go, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's just so special it's, over there. I mean, the people were lovely in Ireland and the food was actually really great. And um, I, I, I enjoyed that experience of capturing that trip. I think it's rare that I have an opportunity to capture something personal in that way you know, experience that I'm having versus someone else's experience, which is what I'm doing at restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I enjoy. So in my gallery here of all those pictures you take, you go through the vacations ones all the time, right? Yeah. You go back and hit the vacations one up. So in, in what we do is we help restaurateurs lean into things that they should know about, right? And a lot of those blind spots for restaurateurs is this, right? The design aspects of it. They understand how to get the product in the back door, how to store the product, how to make the product, how to, you know, make the cocktails and stuff like that. If you had an opportunity to talk to a bunch of restaurateurs and say, you know, why should you be leaning into this? I mean, what would be some of the points that you bring up to somebody? Um, well, every restaurant should be changing their decor or changing something within the restaurant every 10 years at max. People get bored. They move on to the next best thing. It's already been Instagrammed a million times. They want to see something new. And that does not necessarily mean you have to change all of the furniture, all of the plating, redesign everything, rip out walls, you can, you'd be surprised what a can of paint can do. It's pretty cost effective just to have, I mean, yeah, you might spend $5,000, $10,000 on a mural, but that mural is going to change every ounce of vibe that's inside of the restaurant. 
And then you can start adding like a color of the wall that bounces off the mural here, there, paint the tables. And all of a sudden it's a whole new restaurant. And, you know, that's under $15,000. You probably just so you know, my wife's got that on a five-year plan at her house with the interior, interior <laughs> paint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, it, it elevates the diner's experience. They're willing to not just come in for that one meal, but they'll come back because of the decor. I think of my favorite restaurants. And, yeah, the food is phenomenal. But really, I feel it feels special. The space feels special to me. Um, and... I think I think that's a really interesting point to to keep tweaking things. Maybe it's not a major revamp of the interior, but little things. And to your point, can of paint is not very expensive, so. And it's quick. Yeah, it's quick. You can you don't have to shut down the restaurant to make these things happen. When I paint these murals, I also have a I offer vinyl wraps, so I can digitally design these vinyl wraps, and they can go up overnight. So you can change yep. the whole decor overnight. No smell, no mess, no nothing. So there's so many different options and it's just so important that people realize that they're going to get their money back by changing it because people are constantly looking for the new thing. It's expensive to live out right now. I mean, the economy is not what it used to be. And if you're going to convince people to leave their homes and spend the money, it's got to be worth it. And I will make the trip for a venue that I've seen on social media if it looks worth it. I'll drive the hour to go see something cool. Or if I see pictures of some food that looks crazy, there's a a menu I saw where it had like these waffles that had like Lucky Charms and all kinds of stuff. I was like, oh my God, I got to go out there. <laughs> so, so true. We talk about everything is on the phone. Uh, Carrie says that frequently. And the last bastion of social interaction is really going out over a meal. It's, you know, we grocery shop on the phone. We shop on the phone. Mm-hmm. We do all these things on the phone. We spend, we're scrolling for miles on Instagram, whatever. But, you know, at our core, we crave social interaction. And that's where restaurants play a major role in society and just, providing those opportunities for people to be there. So beautifying spaces just makes it that much more. Um, I wanted to ask you about what type of mindset do you get in when you're creating a mural? Is it, I need everyone away from me? Is it, I need loud music? Is it, you know, how, what, how do you actually, how do you vibe when you're doing your mural? Well, I, it's actually more of like a meditative zone, but I have to understand, there was a point where I started to get really annoyed when people would come and stop me from what I was doing, constantly tapping me, asking me questions. What is that? Me, yeah, are you, are you an artist? You know, like little questions where you're like, that's obvious. Um, but I had to sit back and think, you know what? These people are genuinely interested. They want to be involved. They want to know, like they're very excited. So I have to make that time to step back and say, oh, let me, you know, excite you a little bit more so that you come back when it's finished to take a look. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I always say that uh, a photo is a great opportunity to, to bring diners in because people are, they're, they're interested. They see something's happening. They want to know what the dishes are. Um, a number of times I will recommend a dish because I just try to bite after taking a picture of it. I'll be like, you have to order this thing. Cause it was phenomenal. Um, I mean, I, I find that the process I want when I'm taking pictures, I want it to be a collaborative process with the restaurant. But to your point earlier, we are professionals. We've been doing this for a while. And this is the style. You've been to our websites. You've talked to us. We should be trusted that we are going to know what we're doing and, and, and bring your vision to life. Um, so, and most, I think almost everyone I've worked with understands that. Um, I tell my clients, I go, look, what you see in your head is not what I'm going to see in my head, no matter what. If I gave 100 people 100 green crayons and told them to draw a tree, 
I would get a hundred different trees. So I'm never going to paint exactly what you are thinking about. So you're just going to have to trust that what you have seen is what I'm going to give you. I, I'm never going to give you something that I'm not proud of. So we've spent a lot of time talking about food photos and mural design, but we haven't talked about photography and restaurants, mm -hmm. you know, what goes on the wall, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What goes into that thought process? Uh, the walls of the restaurant. The walls of the restaurant. Uh, photography, I have seen a lot of it tends to be um, from a, a, a place, you know, if it's um, a Greek restaurant that they have photos from Greece or, you know, it tends to evoke a certain time and place and that's sort of their intention around it. Um, and I love that. I think it's it's really beautiful when you can add personal touches either or, or family photos too, if it's a family-owned restaurant. Um, with a history that, you know, where they want to put that up on the walls. I think it's beautiful. I mean, anything that draws in the diners to the experience of eating this food is, I think, a beautiful thing. So both being cre creatures of, you know, um, culture and art, you know, having that mindset, if you own a restaurant, if you would own a restaurant, I mean, what type of restaurant? I mean, you've lived them, you've lived in them. Uh, what, what, would it, what would speak you if you had a restaurant? Oh, well, that would depend on the neighborhood. What does the neighborhood need? Can't have too many Mexican restaurants in one neighborhood. It's an if aspiring I, I, restaurateur right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> there's a bunch of Mexican I didn't ask for your business plan. <laughs> I'm going to pick a sushi restaurant. Uh, but, you know, I would probably eat my, way, my weight in sushi, so I'd probably go with the sushi restaurant. <laughs> yeah, you want to know, in, in a previous episode of the MRA podcast, we talked to Bobby Wong at the Kowloon famous Massachusetts restaurant, awesome. and they do really well with the wrestling crowd. The wrestlers, when they're in town, they dine out at the Kowloon, and we asked him what his, what their favorite meal was, and he said, by far, it's sushi. He <laughs> said, we cannot produce enough sushi for the for the WWE wrestlers. So you have good company of the, the WWE crowd. My boyfriend actually wants me to go there specifically because they host the WWE crowd. He's a huge fan. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can tell them that they like sushi. So. <laughs> I could eat sushi all the time, and tacos, so... I'm Mexican, so, oh. you know, I make that at home. But yeah. no, I, I can't make sushi exactly. at home. It's so expensive. So I'd rather true. have the restaurant. When I go out to eat, I like to go to places <laughs> where I, I can't replicate that in some way. Mm -hmm. So sushi for sure. Are you ready for the Sprague Energy Lightning Round? Let's go. Fast questions coming at you. It's your last meal on earth. What are you having? Uh, steak and mashed potatoes. Sushi. Sushi. With, oh. with the wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, salmon, sashimi. Mm -hmm. What's your ideal vacation spot? A mixture of relaxation and culture and lots of rosé. <laughs> rosé all day. Um, it depends on the mood. If, I'm, if I've been working a lot, sunshine and the beach. Um, if I'm in the mood for adventure, anything that's got old world feel, something I've never seen before. Uh, who has inspired you the most? Uh, we, we elevated it quickly. I would say my, my mother probably would be the person who's inspired me the most as an artist. And, and she is the one who brought me into the kitchen and showed me, you know, how beautiful food is and cooking with people is. So. That's to me. Uh, Lichtenstein and Andy Warhol. Uh, and then we've got like Shepard Ferry and all these street artists, you know, Banksy and all these people that have just really paved the way for street art. Sure. Uh, if you're drinking something, what are you drinking? A white wine spritzer. Like I'm 60. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
French rosé or uh, just a really, I love a Spanish white, like a crisp Spanish white. What's your go-to type of cuisine? Sushi. Sushi. Yeah. I've had it like four times this week. (laughs) Sushi and tacos. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you could have dinner with anybody living or passed away, who's at the dinner table with you? Elon Musk. (laughs) That guy is all kinds of smart and crazy mixed in one. Loves the letter X. Yeah. Loves the letter X. I got to pick him apart. I got to know. There's something going on in there all the time. Mm -hmm. Just in DC (laughs) yesterday, weren't they there for the AI? Yeah. 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 Oof. This is a tough one. Elon Musk is busy. He can't come. I wasn't going to say that, (laughs) but um, I'll let you have that one. Um, Mark Mark Zuckerberg? No. Um, (laughs) That's a tough one. Who would I pick? Um, Martin Luther King. Okay. Very cool. All right. You didn't say that they had to be, or that they could be dead. I I said living or or past. Oh, darn it. Do you want to change it? Maybe Marilyn Monroe. Okay. You can have multiple people. So Elon Musk and This Marilyn is a full Monroe. round table we're going to get to. Absolutely. Now, there'd be a conversation <laughs> yeah. with Marilyn Monroe and Elon Musk at the same table. Exactly. Oh, that would be a good one. Uh, where can people find your social? Where can people find examples of your stuff? At blindfoxart.com or at blindfoxart. I'm bryansamuelsphotography.com and at Photography. Thank you all very much for coming in. This is a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Erica Hagler, The Blind Fox, Brian Samuels. Um, Brian Samuels Photography. (laughs) (laughs) It's my name. Brian, we need you for you to make up a name right (laughs) now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Elon's vision. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. Thank you. All right. Good job. Good job. That was good. That was really good. Steve, with marketing being one of the Achilles heels for restaurateurs, who's our go-to for marketing, public relations, and social media? That's going to be our great friends at IUC, Image Unlimited Communications. Maddie, where can we find you? Uh, you can find us on socials at IUC Boston. Or also on web, IUCBoston.com. Thanks, Lily. Yeah. IUC. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Are you ready to take your energy choices to the next level? Look no further than Sprite, where we've been providing top-tier energy solutions to businesses for over 150 years. We work with you as your dedicated energy partner and are devoted to providing you with high-quality, reliable service when addressing your energy needs. For more information, email us at mra at sprayenergy.com or visit us online at sprayenergy.com to learn why thousands choose us when it comes to their energy strategy. And remember, here at Sprague, our energy makes the difference.